There's so many things to like about Bateman, the receiver. He's good on contested catches, really good at the top of the route, breaks out of the route in lots of different directions, really is more of a deceptive route runner than the Ravens have had. Likes to come over the middle of the field. That's very valuable, especially on extended plays. So I expect that to be a real big positive. Let me give you the best example I can give you. You can tell every boxer in the world to look for the punch and avoid it. But if Muhammad Ali is the only one who can do it, then you really have an understanding of the processing speed required to do it. Lamar Jackson has unbelievable processing speed. Adafi Away may or may not have that processing speed. We'll find out at the NFL level. Then we'll close it out here with the tight end fullback Ben Mason. Ben missed practice on Saturday because he tore the skin off the bottom of his feet. Have you ever done that, Ken? Not that I can remember, but I don't spend that much time out of my chair. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome into the lounge. We are going to take a deep dive, deep (laughs) dive into the Ravens draft class today. And we brought in the expert, the best guy to do this, and that's Ken McCusick from filmstudybaltimore.com. You know, Ken's a friend of the lounge, so we had to invite him on here to break down the tape for us and really teach us about these prospects. Good to have you on, Ken. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, and, and you can always follow Ken on Twitter. It's at filmstudyravens. I highly recommend. Ken, you're sneaking up on your follower count now. You start getting up around my range, I'm going to feel threatened now, Ken. All right? I don't think that's a concern. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ken, let's let's jump into this draft class. So just from you know your your biggest takeaways from a high level perspective, what did you come away with this draft feeling? I, I think there are a number of things. Obviously, the big big school thing. I think people have have heard the Ravens didn't address offensive tackle. I think one of the hidden things they didn't do was address the defensive line, or I thought they would certainly try and get a player. Uh, Barmore was a player who was available at 27 and 31, certainly would have been, in my opinion, a reasonable pick, the best defensive line in the class by far. Um, They decided not to go in that direction. It means that in 2022, they're going to be very old at that position, and they're likely to have to pay a lot of free agent dollars out the door to try and band-aid what they've got then. So it's it's a problem for the future. Uh, you know, drafting a pair of edge players, I thought was interesting. Very athletic edges they got, very much Martindale-esque in terms of what I think they can provide mm-hmm. as uh, in coverage and and as Sams and quasi Sams even on the rush side that can drop to cover. Uh, I think the Ravens will still have some of that blitz flexibility they like to have. Interesting, and and, and obviously two wide receivers. Did you see that coming, mm-hmm. or or do you think only one? Did that surprise you at all? It surprised me a little bit, especially taking two as early as they did with the first pick in the fourth round and and their first pick overall. Um, it was it was a little surprising to me. Uh, two cornerbacks did not surprise me. That I thought was mm-hmm. very good planning for the future with four guys who are kind of near their end of their term with the Ravens. Uh, Tabon and Peters aren't necessarily done. They could each have another year under contract, but they're expensive years and are subject to cuts. Averett is gone after this year, and unless the Ravens resign him, that was something I thought might happen this offseason. Of course. Jimmy Smith is in the perpetual last year of his deal. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. And I, we'll, we'll dive into these guys individually a little bit more. On, on Stevens, I do want to try to get some more insight from you as we continue this conversation because you mentioned two cornerbacks. But to me, I think of him as a safety more than a cornerback. Yeah. But let's dive into that a little bit more in a second. Um, just to hang out on receiver a little bit longer, 
I don't know about you, but but you know, Ryan and I were both fooled by the pre-draft chatter um, and bought into the narrative that okay, the Ravens like what they have at wide receiver. They addressed it with Sammy Watkins. They're not going to go with it early. They just took a first-round pick two years ago at wide receiver. What did you make of that? Like, did you fall for it like we did, or or did you expect them to to go with that position? Hey, I, I'm I, not saying I, that the draft chatter, that pre-draft thing, isn't what threw me off completely. No. I just thought that offensive you're just, tackle you're just and generally pass clueless. were bigger needs. You just generally I know. Clueless. I just think the other the three big ones were offensive tackle, pass rusher, and wide receiver. I thought they'd go with the other two as opposed to wide receiver in the first round. But I wasn't, like, shocked. Yeah, yeah I, I'm with you, right, Ryan. Sorry, that, Ken, that, go ahead. In terms of a needs-based thing, I did expect them to – uh, not take a wide receiver with either of those first round picks. I think they, they probably loved Bateman for value. Uh, there were other guys they could have had in later rounds. They might've liked almost as much uh, or, or, or at a, at a decent value, but Bateman you know, dropping to 27 was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. So you were actually surprised. Cause that, that's one thing just that's moved to Bateman. Like on Bateman, it was interesting to me because once you got past the top three receivers in this draft, then there seemed to be, not really a consensus as to how the rest of these guys would go. Like we spent so much time talking about Terrace Marshall Jr. to the Ravens at 27. And then he ends up going deep into the second Bateman was somebody who seemed like maybe he would be there. Then, then late, it was like, I don't know. And and we did a podcast with Jeremiah who had him as a mid second round guy. It was just tough to get a sense of, of how people were grading out these receivers after you got past the top three. What have what did you think of him in terms of the value for him at 27? Yeah, I think he's good, not great value at 27. Uh, some of that's what the Ravens already had, how much the Ravens will actually use Bateman in an offense that's it's I expect to continue to be run-based. There's so many things to like about Bateman, the receiver. I think, you know, I'll give you the one thing at the end not to like, but uh, he's good on contested catches, really good at the top of the route, break at, breaks out of the route in lots of different directions, really is more of a deceptive route runner than the Ravens have had um, in, in a while. I mean, you know, you talk about Steve Smith as being a physical and somewhat deceptive route runner. Uh, Bateman is a, is a very physical and, and uh, has some deception in his game. Likes to come over the middle of the field. That's very valuable, especially on extended plays for the Ravens. I expect that to be a real big positive. Drops have been a big problem in his career. And if you look, that's not, you know, we, we talk everything I've seen about Bateman in a Ravens uniform since he got selected is about his great hands. But in fact, the drops have been a real problem. And, and if you look at the difference between him and Talon Wallace, it's really a, a difference. The difference in yards per target is not too much. It's 10 to 9.7 with Wallace being higher, but Rashad Bateman would have been higher by more than eight or 9% if he had not had any drops. Mm. So, or if neither had had drops, I should say. Uh, so anyway, right. it's, it's a big difference. So something he needs to work on uh, very heavily. I think it's interesting, though, because when you look at wide receivers, some guys just kind of fight the ball, right? Like, Torrey Smith came into the NFL and was not a natural catcher. Like, he had to be taught. That was a craft for him. He kind of fought the ball. I would say kind of the same for Brashad Perryman. Like, he could make some spectacular catches, but he just he just kind of fought it a little bit. And I don't see that with, with Rashad. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not a hand placement issue. 
So that's not the problem. Uh, you know, sometimes you, you'll hear Ladanian Tomlinson talk at the NFL Combine, and he talks about how running backs either got it or you don't, and they tend to double catch the football when they're running mm-hmm. backs. That's not what I see out of Bateman. I see concentration and focus drops. I see problems with him dropping a football. There's no reason why he shouldn't. I think it's some of it is uh, starting to get those great yards after the catch play started a little too early. Uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. see it as an uncorrectable thing, but, uh, you know, it's it's – it's really hard for me to say that definitively. There's two things that are hard to do. One is yeah. when somebody has a concentration issue, does it really work? The other is how much of a problem is processing speed? That's not the case in this, but it is in other players we'll get to. Tell me if you agree with this one, because when I was watching him, this came to mind, and I want to see if, if you feel see it similar at all. Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco. He, do you see that at all with Bateman? Um. <laughs> I, know, you on the I mean, spot I guess here. there are similarities you can pick out with any receiver. Yeah. Uh, Ocho Cinco, you know, fairly full route tree in terms of what he could do. I'd say that's a similarity. Um, you know, probably the hands thing might be might be similar. Uh, boy, I, I it's it's not obvious that's to me that one. They're, they're one for one comp. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I was I was actually thinking a comp question, too. You were. Yeah, I, I was yeah. thinking a comp question who too. Do you, who do you got? I, well, I was thinking Derek Mason. Okay. I was thinking Derek Mason. A little closer to home. Yeah, Derek. Derek Mason, I think, might be a little better match for Talon Wallace, and the and the reason I like it is that he had the ability to sell uh, long speed and then and then decelerate very quickly, sit in the chair to come back either on a dig route or a comeback on that sideline. And when Flacco was a rookie. That was his bread and butter was that 10-yard oh, yeah. out to Mason. Mm. I don't know if you remember that New England game that year, but he had six first downs to Mason on one drive. Yes, I do remember that, man. That was always like – it was always the – just hit Mason on the sideline for eight yards mm. and give it to me. Just do that over and over. And that game, they finally did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was amazing. Well, I, I do have one more question on Bateman, and I thought it was an interesting thing that you pointed out is – his work over the middle and particularly, you know, in extended plays, because a, we already know that Lamar likes to throw the ball over the middle. That's why Mark Andrews in part has so many targets, but it's also in some of the limited highlights. I haven't looked at it as much as you have, but it's, it's making himself available, right? Like coming back, getting into windows to make himself available for the quarterback. And I think that's the Ravens have been lacking that a little bit. Yeah, it's I, I'm not saying that Andrews hasn't done it because Jackson can go left or right, but he most of the time is going to be going right. And that means the guy on the left side of the field it used to be Boykin. He had some of those last year. He's had some in the end zone. But this year should be should be Bateman. And he'll be able, I think, to cross the field and make himself available in the non-routine spots. So, you know, it's, it's rules based that the two guys go to two distinct points on the sideline, right? nearest receiver goes mm-hmm. to the right sideline and the other one can go deep. But it's that third guy who can make Jackson look really good by extending a play and getting open wherever over the middle. And I'm hoping that's the role that Bateman will have in this. I mean, Andrews can have it too, but uh, you know, an opportunity right. for, for uh, multiple uh, spots of opening on the field. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So w- one more question on receivers before we start diving into some of these other picks how do you see, and I know it's early, we got a lot of time before we really get to this point, but I, I, one thing I've spent some time thinking about since the draft is how the Ravens will end up using these guys come September. 
So Hollywood Brown's going to be out there. The Ravens signed Sammy Watkins, and for sake of discussion, let's say he's healthy. So, you know, the, he's got a high ceiling if he's healthy. You obviously have Mark Andrews going to be there at tight end. Like, and Duvernay, to me, slides in naturally to that slot position from that Willie Sneed had last year. So how do you see, like, in a three-wide situation, what does that look like for this team? Well, I think that's the first thing is how often do they go three wide and, and how often right. do they go four wide? You know, because they, they don't play a ton of 11 personnel, probably less than most NFL teams, though I don't have the exact number. Um, but if, if you know, they're playing 21 or 12 personnel a lot of the time, then these receivers are going to be rotating in, I would expect, and probably getting less snaps. But when they're in, they're going to be more, uh, you know, going to be fresher, hopefully, and be more effective when they are. So I think we may see some of that. Um I don't really know exactly how this is going to work. I think it's it's possible Bateman will get less of a workload as a rookie than everybody would expect normally. That he won't, you know, suddenly play 65% of the snaps or anything just because of who the Ravens have otherwise personnel-wise. Interesting. And then all right, I'm so sure fans are going to love that. Let's move it to <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um all right, so Ken, let's <laughs> move it to uh the other first round pick, Odafe Owe. Uh, if you want to talk about the size speed combination, just an incredible athlete. That's him. Um, and, and when we talked with Eric DeCosta on the podcast recently, he made the point, which I thought was an interesting one that he's not just a high ceiling player, but he's also a high floor player because of his ability to stop the run. What do you see in looking at him? I mean, I, I, I agree with most of what DeCosta is saying in terms of the upside of the pick, the high ceiling. I completely agree in terms of the low floor. Uh, sorry, the high floor. I'm not as sanguine on that comment. I don't agree with it as much. I think it's it's really if he can't rush the passer at the NFL level, he's going to be a very limited value. It's not not no value, but very limited value. Uh, so anyway, he's got a lot of things to work on as a pass rusher. He does a couple of things really well. Uh, he pursues the ball carrier or the QB either with a very high motor. And you see him get a lot of cleanup plays. We saw that from Michael McCrary years ago. If you're a Ravens fan, there's a comp for you in terms of, a, of having that kind of a motor. <laughs> He uses his athleticism, I think, at the college level very well to clamp down on the run. I'm hoping that can continue at the pro level where he can force that tackle to make a mistake and hopefully get off that that guy on the edge. Also, make it difficult for any kind of stretch plays to run in that direction to be to be uh, uh, stretched out and, and hopefully taken down. But there are so many things he's not at an NFL level that he's going to have to learn when he gets here. We can go through those right, if you want. So give it to us. <laughs> G- give it to us, Ken. I give us the abridged version. <laughs> the abridged version. Okay. Really quickly. He needs to get off quicker at the snap. He's painfully slow to watch there. Uh, stands up a lot. Uh, in terms of bend, he's one of the most unpolished guys you ever see. A lot of polished guys in this class, but uh, he, he very upright player, which means he gets knocked around by tackles, takes a very inefficient track to the quarterback. And makes up with some of that by showing up with motor. But if you're looking for reasons why he had no sacks last year, that's that's part of it. Um, I, I think the, here's the biggest thing about what they will try and teach him early to try and get him acclimated to the NFL is bet first. In, in poker, usually when nobody has anything, guy who bets first takes a hand. In, in, uh, in football... When he bets first against an inferior athlete, which is every single offensive tackle he will ever face in the National Football League, uh, (laughs) all he has to do is force them to overreact, and then he'll be able to counter off that and do something really positive. And I think he doesn't do enough of that. And I saw it at Penn State. I I was not impressed with his first move um, willingness or uh, desire, I'll say. You know, he's... 
He's 34 and a half inch arms. I mean, that's longer than most offensive tackles. He can dictate first contact very easily. When he does so, they're going to overreact. He's going to have an opportunity for a counter that's going to look really great. So, I mean, I guess then the question here is, I mean, that stuff all sounds very coachable, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. do you think that's kind of what the Ravens saw was, all right, this guy has a lot of work to do here. He's obviously young in his NFL career, but that's what coaching is for. Like, this is all stuff that a lot of players, whatever, you could coach them all you want, but they ain't going to get there, right? Mm-hmm. This guy, like, if you coach him the right way and, and he absorbs this and he has the right attitude about getting better and all that stuff, like, he, do you see a guy that can be elite even as a pass rusher? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I do. But, I, but I'll say the one thing that I can't figure in in here is how much of what he's not doing at the college level is processing speed. Now, on the plus side, He's so raw, it's easy to ascribe it to he's just not using his talent properly, hasn't been coached properly. But there's something else, just how how fast you can put your foot on the brake pedal and change to acceleration when you need to. Um, Those two things, uh, you know, let me give you the best example I can give you. You can tell every boxer in the world to look for the punch and avoid it. But if Muhammad Ali is the only one who can do it, then you really have an understanding of the processing speed required to do it. And, and that's where Lamar Jackson in reading leverage has unbelievable processing speed. He's at the next level. And Adafi Away may or may not have that processing speed. We'll find out at the NFL level. Interesting. Yeah, let's go to the, to the guy who's quickly become the most popular guy in Baltimore. Didn't take long. Uh, but Ben Cleveland, I think everyone's, you know, got the Ben Cleveland jerseys on back order right now because this guy's quickly <laughs> become a fan favorite, media favorite whether it's squirrel stories, his size, his his demeanor during press conferences. People love this guy. So do you love him as much as the fans around Baltimore love him? I, I do love him. He was my third-ranked <laughs> guard. Um, and I had a, a, another tackle-rated guard second, uh, Carmen, who went to the, the, the Bengals. So I thought he was a great value, uh, probably the best value pick the Ravens made during the whole draft. A little surprising to me that – uh, DaCosta came out and, and tagged him as Harbaugh's guy. Because the only other time I've ever heard that done was not a good a good, a good time. It was with Devon Drew. He tagged as being Ozzy's guy. So it's interesting that, uh, <laughs> that, that this is what it is. But I, I don't think there's anything about Ben Cleveland that he won't be able to learn at the pro level. Uh, they made Bradley Bozeman into a wonderful technical puller. The Ravens coaches did. And he's much less of an athlete. And it's no knock on Bradley because he's been become – he, he pulled the most of any Raven in history this last season. And Cleveland is just a much better athlete. He's, you know, almost a half second faster on the 40. That doesn't really matter, but he's faster on every other metric, the 10, the 20, the shuttle, the three cone, whatever you want to say, Ben Cleveland is, is the better athlete. So he's got some habits that are not good. He plays a little high sometimes and he gets into level two and he lunges a little bit. You see some of that. I don't like that. Bozeman was certainly got to a good technical level there. They will clean that up. I'm not concerned about that at all. He's got a wonderful talent, though, of transferring what he is physically into the ability to process and create help blocks that I really love. So if you look at him at Georgia, try and watch some pass blocking reps. And he'll start with, if he's on a double team and he has no apparent opponent directly over left guard, what what he'll do is he'll start with the center and use two hands and then he'll switch to one hand, which, by the way, one hand from Ben Cleveland, still a lot of force as a second blocker there. But he's also <laughs> then patrolling the area and looks to help out the tackle. 
in those situations. So it'll be interesting. We saw that a lot from Marshall Yanda when James Hurst was at, at right tackle at the start of 2018. He was extremely good with that. So I think there's some there's some things to love about Ben Cleveland. I think he'll be a, a very fine pass blocker. I think they'll mold him into a good run blocker, and that could happen as, as early as this year. Good, good enough to be a, a week one starter, Ken? Yes. But nice. you know what? I said that about, about Brown, too, and, and for whatever reason, Harbaugh held him out until week eight. Well, I think I feel like there's more need. This, who who was the starting right tackle in James 2019 Hurst. at the beginning of the year? No, it's well, 18, you know, 2018. Well, 2018. You know, Ken, I'm not going to sit here and dog James Hurst. That's my guy. <laughs> All right. So that was very warranted back then. All right. <laughs> Orlando had to pay his dues, sit behind an all pro. It should be all pro. James Hurst. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to, to Brandon Stevens here. And I think this was one of the more interesting picks just because, you know, you're, you're kind of like, who is this guy? And he's a converted mm-hmm. running back. And, you know, did they have to take him in the third round? You know, immediately after a pick is made, you're always like, okay, where did the pundits have this guy ranked? And, and Brandon was a little lower than the third round. You know, we're talking a day three guy who the Ravens seemingly just really loved. Like they just really yeah. loved this guy. And maybe other teams did out there. You know, I don't know. Um, but what did you see from, from this pick? Yeah, purely in terms of the economy of the pick, I'd say it's a minus three on my plus three to minus three scale. It's it's a it's a guy who they could I think they could add later, but in in watching tape of it, I didn't watch any tape of Brandon Stevens prior to the draft, none at all. It wasn't on my radar at all to be be selected, but I did after the fact. And there's something very interesting going on. So first of all, he's hard to find on the field because he switches position a lot. Uh, for SMU. But he fortunately wears these bright red shoes you can pick up if you watch tape, even on the on the broadcast video that are that are uh, easy to get. But he would switch between uh, free safety, uh, slot corner and outside corner on a by situation basis. SMU did all this defensive substitution in the wow. secondary. It drive me nuts as an analyst. I'll tell you, if I was covering them to try to do what I do for the defense and, and record players by play, drive me up the wall. But, uh, but anyway, why did they do that? I mean, they had different defensive packages and they liked some some other safeties and other corners better for certain situations. But Stevens was definitely the guy they could play anywhere. He kind of the, the, the most similar player the Ravens ever had, Lardarius Webb. But he would play mm-hmm. slot corner and inside corner within the same game and move by package. That's not that uncommon to have somebody move to safety during the game. There really aren't very many players in the whole NFL who do that sort of thing. Uh, so anyway, Webb played it later, later in his career. He played some safety, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Interesting. Okay. So what else did you see from Brandon on tape that, that, uh, stood out to you? Yeah. B- ball skills, uh, good downhill coverage. I don't think he benefited too much from SMU's system. I think it might've actually held him back, but they obviously like what they see of him film, uh, film wise. I have not seen any all 22 with the guy. All I've seen is broadcast video of him. So I'm behind in that regard. Uh, you know, it, it creates a, a big backlog at safety in terms of the Ravens figuring out what they need to do with some players. I, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but they've got six safeties now on the roster if you include him there. And, you know, that really, I think, puts a burden on whether Richards, Levine, or either of them, for that matter, makes the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. When you start doing the 53 and you figure him in, which I would certainly figure him in as a third-round pick, it yeah. does get a little clunky in terms of figuring out if Levine Richards, Geno Stone, late round pick last year is on there. So that'll be interesting. Another guy at the defensive secondary uh, that they took fifth round was Sean Wade. And Wade's interesting because 
I don't know if you know this, Ken, I'm an Ohio State fan, so so I've watched plenty of Sean Wade over the past few years. Was really good in 2019, not so good in 2020. And if he had come out, you know, he's one of those cases where you feel bad for him in a sense because he stayed in school for an extra year. He was one of the guys who was who helped get college football back, was really involved in, in kind of making that effort. And then his draft stock took a hit over the course of the season. So you feel bad for him in that. But for the, from the Ravens' standpoint, they ended up getting a guy that was maybe a first or day, first day or second day pick a year ago, and they get him in the fifth round. That is good value, obviously. Yeah, mar- marvelous value. Second best value pick of the draft for me. Could end up being number one, but he, he was a plus two. The thing to really love about him, I mean, there's a lot to love about him in terms of size and speed and whatnot. Very long corner, 33 and a half inch arms. By the way, just to compare that, Tevin Jenkins and many of the offensive tackles in this class are 33 and a half inches wow. or shorter wow. in terms of arm length. And <laughs> wow. we, people say, well, why would that even matter? It's a hundred yard field and you're blah, blah, blah. On contested catches, the, the slot corner in particular, but all cornerbacks, get right to the body of, of the player, and they have to reach in and not interfere. And that length is very valuable. It's extremely valuable for trying to deflect the ball. It's valuable for trying to dislodge the ball uh, once it's in, the, in their hands. So I expect Sean Wade uh, to, to be effective. Um, I, I think the 2020 season, uh, he was probably playing out of position, you know, playing on the outside in, in 2019, you know, 5.4 yards per target uh, and a 70 passer rating. That certainly uh, is the kind of thing I would expect out of, a, out of someone coming to the NFL as a real prospect corner. So, uh, it, you know, it looks to me like he's the heir apparent to Tavon Young, and the Ravens really need that backup slot corner to not have to move Humphrey inside again this season. Mm-hmm. So I like it from that perspective. Yeah, Ryan and I have talked right. about that. It's just you want some insurance there given what's gone on with Tavon the past few years. With him, do you think it's as simple as slide him back inside and you get the high-level performance again? I, I think – I mean, okay, so he's coming to the NFL, so we can expect some regression from right. where he was in college. But, yeah, I think that, that he, he's in position at slot and he's out of position at outside corner, despite the fact that if you know you look at his speed and his length, he should do pretty well on the outside too, and that's probably what Ohio State was thinking when they moved him. I, I saw somebody comment, and they said, look, if you struggle that mightily at outside cornerback – it doesn't get any easier to go in the slot where you have more responsibilities, more communication. It's, it's a tough position to play. Do you subscribe to that? Or, or can you think, do you believe a guy that can, that struggles outside can thrive inside? I, I think it's, it's a very different position in terms of uh, what responsibilities you have in terms of what you have to process. It's, it's more in the slot for sure. Uh, on the outside, it's more about length, size, speed. It's more about the, the, the basic things, you know, obviously breaking on the football, very important, wherever you are, uh, your, your processing speed, extremely important at slot corner. So given the fact that Wade has done better there, you know, I would hope he's bringing some of that, uh, in terms of his ability to read the opponent's leverage and see when, when that whip route is coming, react to it quickly. Uh, hopefully he's going to be a guy who can help the Ravens figure out bunch formations, which is something they had a big problem with last year, particularly in that Kansas City game, right. but also against Pittsburgh. All right, let's back it up to Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, one thing that I saw about him was a lot of contested catches, really good at making contested catches in college. And my kind of question with that is, well, it's harder to make those catches in the NFL. You, bigger, stronger guys, right? Like, Mm-hmm. It's another step to do it in the NFL. You better be Anquan Bolden to do it regularly. And and Tylen Wallace ain't built like Anquan Bolden. I hate to say it. 
but do you see how do you see him kind of getting that separation in the NFL to make things a little bit easier for himself? Yeah, I mean, for one thing, if you look at the route tree he ran last year and, and look just at the heat diagrams, for example, of where his routes are running, all, always lined up on the right side, basically always ran right down the right sideline in one fashion or another, either on some sort of a quick comeback or on a, on a deep route. Um, that is That may be a limiting factor for him in terms of how the Ravens can use him. It doesn't mean they can't use him in four verts packages and whatnot, but if there's a guy who's going to get a lot less playing time as a rookie, I, I would point to him. As, as being the guy that said, I think he has, you know, he's had good hands in his college career. He's had terrific yards per target numbers. Uh, and at, that's at Oklahoma state. They have a fairly wide open offense. Uh, he has the necessary deceleration to, to do the, you know, what we talked about with Mason and Bateman also in terms of being mm-hmm. able to come back for the ball, which is important because if, if you're going to get deep, you have to be able to, to sell the fact that you might come back and for the comeback route. So, uh, I think he has both of those things. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to his play. I think we'll just see less of him in 2021 would be my guess. All right, so we got two more guys to work through here. Dalen Hayes. Dalen, another one who is quickly a media favorite here. I mean, he's just he, – he's, uh, he's a really interesting guy to talk with, uh, and he's, he's great with the media. Um, his – you know, I think his draft call was, was really powerful. So – but enough about him as, as an interview. What do you think about him in terms of his ability to get out to the quarterback? Like, do you think that he's somebody who could who could make an impact as a rookie? Um, I think he'll he'll probably see the field some. Um, he's he's fairly average athletically, so I'm not I'm not so keen on the play. But you see things that are very polished in terms of his ability to cover, to drop to cover that you don't normally see in a college player. Like one of the things, it's very hard to find players who you can definitely say that guy's going to be a good Sam linebacker at the NFL level, because most outside linebackers in college, they spend most of their time being the best pass rusher on the team. Teams are loath <laughs> to drop them to coverage because of that. And so you don't, you don't see as much of him. but Hayes, we saw a fair amount of him at, at Notre Dame doing that. And he's good. He has a great, great ball skills. Uh, he had four forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, four passes defensed. If you look at his highlight reel alone, you'll see an interception, tip to himself, another interception tip to a teammate. So you, you, you really see that those, those kind of ball scales really play well with the Ravens. And, and the more defensive guys they have or who are focused in on that football, the better, because the Ravens you know, certainly want to play turnover defense. I think one of the things is at, at the college level, Hayes, more than some of the other draft picks and certainly more than a way, got by on his size and strength. He's really got grown man strength. And that comes with being 23 right now already. So it's it's a case of I'm not mm-hmm. sure that we're going to see a strength upside at the NFL level. I hope I'm wrong on that. I hope he's the next Matthew Judon and does everything he could. But it's just not obvious to me that that uh, he's going to take a, a big leap at the pro level. Interesting. And then we'll close it out here with the tight end fullback Ben Mason, the Ravens pick with the last pick. My first question here is, can you know Ben miss practice on Saturday because he tore Ooh. the skin off the bottom of his feet? Have you ever done that, Ken? Not that I can remember, but I don't spend that much time out of my chair. So it's really one of these things that uh, you wouldn't expect. You know, if your foot gets like caught underneath your roller chair, you know, yeah. you get that yeah. foot caught under there, it can take a couple layers off. Yeah, there you go. Um, so so how, how do you see Ben fitting in? Yeah, I wondered if they could have had him as an undrafted free agent. That was my first question. Uh, they, there's obviously a connection there with Harbaugh. 
Um, you know, there, there's talk of him being the Swiss Army knife, but he had three career receptions. So that doesn't really fit. I mean, Ricard had three receptions on the big second half drive against Tennessee. So it's not like he's he's there right now. He's a much smaller version of Patrick Ricard if he is. That said, you know, it, it may be a case of they've got one year left on Ricard's contract after this. I think that's true, mm-hmm. right? He's signed for one more. And they may yes. just decide that they want to let him go and save some money at a position when they need to find some ways to save money. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of think about that too. One thing, you know, in talks in talking about his receptions, right? I mean, mm-hmm. but Ricard never caught the ball in college. You know, I mean, he was a defensive lineman, right? I kind of feel like at the end of the day, if you're an athlete, you can catch the dang ball. Right. I mean, if they throw it to you and you're open enough. Now, Ricard has made some pretty nice catches. The one touchdown, the shoestring catch he made. He had nice mm-hmm. in that Tennessee game. But I don't know. I just feel like you look at it and Ben Mason, he'll knock your, your block off. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we know that he's going to do that. He's going to be a really good blocker. And if they need him to catch a ball here or there, 10 a year or whatever, just throw it to the guy. If he's open, I feel like he'll catch the ball. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's reasonable. I, I, he's he's not an unreasonable player to have as a backup. I just don't see room on the fifty-three for both of these players. I mean, it's it's that's the it's question. Very hard. Yeah. Right, and and I kind of feel like part of it might have also been that they really felt stung by the loss of Nick Boyle. Right, like you mm-hmm. lose between Nick Boyle and Ricard. Like that combination is critical to the Ravens' running success and really the offense as a whole. Those two in tandem, and if you lose one piece of that. I think it, they really feel kind of hampered. So, like, this is like, all right, we have Mason. He can he can step in if somebody gets injured. The question is, do you stash him on the 53 for that possibility or what? You know, I've heard various things. You, you could put him on the practice squad, and I'm not sure he'd get taken because not that many teams use a fullback. The teams that do tend to have one. So you're really it's, mm-hmm. you're running the injury risk for other teams. Of Are they going to have somebody hurt and then want to bring – Mason in as their as their backup guy. Um, that's a possibility. I, I the other possibility is IR, of course. Now the Ravens haven't done this in a couple of years where they really stashed someone suspiciously on IR with Amoria phlebitis, as I call it, because that's what Bart Simpson had when he was sick and <laughs> was fake. <laughs> didn't want to get out of a test. But it, it's I'm not sure what they might do with with Ben uh, to get him through this year. But I think they probably want to have him for 2022 more than 21. I wonder, are they still doing the protection thing on the practice squad where you could protect two guys they couldn't be claimed? Okay, now that that's not a 100% protection. That was protected every day except Monday, which is basically not being protected at all. So when Will Holden got yanked from the Ravens practice squad, he, they were protecting him during that period, but uh, they didn't. They couldn't protect him on, on the day after the game and oh, Indianapolis right. was able to right. get him. Interesting. So, all right, last question for me on these guys. How many day one starters are we going to get out of this rookie class? Is he just just Cleveland? I guess you know what? I'll give you I'll give you month one starters, all right? Month one. I'll, month get, I'll, one I'll extend starters. it. I'll extend <laughs> it to a full full month if they don't make the cut week one. Month one starters. I'm going to go ahead and say Bateman and Cleveland both maybe get it. Uh Adafe away uh, I, I, he's, he, since he's a run stopper, he might actually get some games started, uh, that they, they may decide they want to use him at that rush position as opposed to McPhee. 
I don't think McPhee really cares about his starts at this point in his career. Um, it's 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 possible. So it's possible there'd be three there. Um, otherwise, I think that anybody else, Sean Wade, it would be in case of injury. Um, there's probably nobody else, but Brandon Stevens, in case of an injury, might maybe at safety. All right, interesting. All right, well, thank you so much, Ken. We really appreciate it. Uh, for all you listeners out there, you can find Ken's work at filmstudybaltimore.com. Great stuff as always, Ken. Take care of those feet. We don't want to hear about any injuries. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we'll check in with you later, man. Thank you. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for Thanks, having me. Man. All right, so great breakdown from Ken. Uh, you know, I-, I always like getting it from Ken because he keeps it real. He's a hundred percent real. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, we like. Well, you know, sometimes you know, like we have guys who come on the podcast and they all all of a sudden become our favorite players of all time. Shout out to Bronson Reichsteiner. <laughs> That's the ultimate one right there. <laughs> <laughs> they're fitting him for his gold jacket. Um, they're taking the measurements right now in Canton. I'm telling you. All right. Um, but Ken, you know, Ken doesn't sit in our chair. He doesn't sit in the lounge, technically speaking. So Ken brings the heat. Yeah. And, and like, what I like about Ken is as much as I like doing the YouTube highlights, you know, going with your method of player assessment, <laughs> just watch the YouTube highlights and Instagram highlights. You don't even do that. You don't even do that. You just eavesdrop on my conversations. No. That's what you do. If I do that, I eavesdrop on your conversations, and then I know exactly what not to believe. That's the key. But (laughs) with Ken, I mean, he's got a detailed system of breaking these guys down, and he puts a lot of work into it and a lot of insight. So, But, yeah, he breaks it down well, and he he has a system in place, and uh, he's got really good insight. So I I always – and, like, some of the points that he made – like on OA, it's not like there are people who necessarily totally disagree with that. You know, he's those criticisms of him about being a raw player. That's out there. He's aware of that. Everyone's aware of yeah. that. And so now it's it's you know the Ravens drafted him based on his his ability to be a transcendent player, and they know that they got to coach him up in order to get there. So it's not like what he's saying is is well, there, let, yeah. Let me just let me just interject here too. It does. It, Odafe Owe doesn't have to turn into a 15 sack guy and reach the ultimate peak of his ceiling in order to be a good pick, right? There's nothing wrong if the guy is is a good. Like Ken said, if he doesn't develop as a pass rusher at all, if he ends his his Ravens career with zero sacks, then yeah, it's not a great pick if he's just a run stopper. But he could be a really good run stopper and an eight sack guy, and that be a, a great pick. You know what I mean? Like. Like it, it doesn't. It, there can be an in between. He doesn't have to be a, a a bad pick or a ten-time Pro Bowler, right? Like he could be a very good player who gets you, you know, close to or double-digit sacks, you know, ten sacks a year, and that's a great pick. Yeah, for sure. So let me was, also add one other thing. Let's hear. Let me add one other thing, and that's this isn't on OA, it, but it, but it is kind of on you know to Ken's points about the value in the Ben Mason pick and the Brandon Stevens picks. I kind of just think sometimes you really like a player, you really like a player, and you say, I- I- I'm going to take that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Ben Mason was the Ravens' last pick in the fifth round. They didn't have a sixth round or a seventh round pick. Sure, they could have traded a future pick to get back in, whatever. But they were saying, you know what? Like, we really like this guy. 
he encapsulates everything that it means to be a Raven. We think that we, we're going to find a spot with him in a heavy run scheme. So you know what? We're going to take him, and I don't care if we if maybe we could have had him a little bit later. Whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. And same kind of, kind of, I kind of feel the same with Brandon Stevens, although there has been reports of other teams kind of sniffing around that he he might have gone. Um, but I, I just feel like they thought, we really like this guy. And sometimes you just take the player, you know, like in my fantasy draft. I'll, I'll reach for Justin Tucker. Sure. <laughs> I'll take him two rounds early. Of course I will, because I want Justin Tucker on my team. That's kind of how it is with yeah. this. Well, the other, the other thing, too, is... And Joe Ortiz talked about this when he was on the podcast. The difference in how the Ravens assess players in terms of what how they fit their team is different than yep. how the Saints assess players or how whoever, the Carolina Panthers assess players. Like the Ravens are trying to fit guys that fit their defense, that fit their offense, and that's their focus rather than where do they rank on Daniel Jeremiah's big board or Mel Kuyper's big board. So like it was interesting hearing Ken talk about Stevens and how the guy played basically all these different positions in college. Okay, that's what the Ravens like their defensive backs and uh, they like that defenseless football. Ben Mason, Ravens run a unique offense different than any other offense in the NFL, so he's going to be of higher value compared to the way other teams assess him. So, you know, there that's the other yeah. factor to keep in mind here. So, anyway, really good stuff from Ken. Uh, we're going to continue to try to get some good guests over the course, uh, you know, of the next. A couple of weeks. Uh, we're working on stuff. We got a few things that we're working on. So stay we're tuned. We're working on stuff. That's about as vague as it gets right there. Yeah, we're I gotta keep it. There's things that are in the works. <laughs> there's things that are in the works. Look, I don't want. We t- are doing our job. Okay, we are working. One of us is. <laughs> well, one you're going us. on vacation. You're going. You're going on vacation. Oh, well, don't be pulling the one of us right before you go on vacay, big boy. Yeah, yeah vacation. Well earned. Well earned. One of us was grinding hey, away. Did, grinding away. Hey, did oh. you? Did you see? Did you see the the Twitter exchange here? Some guy wants us to have an arm wrestling competition. Oh, I would destroy you. No, no, no. It's like I we told him. The there's no way you would. It's like we went in the weight room a few years ago, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I could." I can't remember what the bench or whatever. Like, I could, I could handle this, and I just destroyed you. Just I can get the you. bar up. I can, I can I get the bar up. You. Sure, I can. I told him there's no way you'd accept it unless it were over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom arm wrestling. That's perfect. <laughs> Anyway, all right. Thanks for listening. Uh, As always, hit us up at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. We'll be back with you next week.